Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I want to jump back into the um, that debate over what they're te- teaching about slavery in Florida. There's a nugget about that that uh, you haven't heard that's really quite amazing. Ron DeSantis asked a little bit about it yesterday in his interview with Brett Baer. We should play some of that Ron DeSantis interview. The New York Times says the president is a liar about this whole influence peddling stuff. The New York Times. We have to get to that later also. You know, you mentioned that earlier, and and I dove into, I finally found the article, which is buried deep, 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 deep on the website, and I was reading it and thinking, is this the wrong article? you got to get like 20 paragraphs in. And then they state explicitly right. what you just said. So, gosh, I'll do the right thing, but barely. Speaking to the New York Times. It's generally when the truth becomes so enormous and ugly that the legacy media just can't cover it up anymore that they go ahead and write about it. And uh, such is the case for what's happening in in Portland. Um, As we've made clear, both of us through the years, uh, we, I, absolutely loved Portland for a long time. What a great city. Fun, funky, full of music, great food. Uh, characters. It was, you know, like it was a little like the San Francisco of 25 years ago, um, just with a little more northwesterny vibe. Um, downtown Portland has, to a large extent, become a hellhole. And the New York You're Times. You're living in a hellhole! Thank you, Metal Guy. Thank you, Jack, for that obscure Spinal Tap reference. The title of this article is Scenes from a City That Only Hands Out Tickets for Using Fentanyl. The subhead. Oregon's experiment to curb overdoses by decriminalizing small amounts of illicit drugs is in its third year, and life has changed for most everyone in the city of Portland. That's a hell of a statement. Life has changed for almost everyone who lives in the city because of fentanyl. Yeah. 
They explained that for the past two and a half years, Oregon, Oregon's been trying an unusual experiment to stem the soaring rates of addiction and overdose deaths. They've essentially decriminalized use of hard drugs. There's a $100 fine for personal use of hard drugs, including fentanyl, which is killing people by the hundreds of thousands. But that $100 can be waived if the uh, person participates in a drug screening and a health assessment. Wow. Well, sure enough, you're what on is... drugs and you're not very healthy. <laughs> well, that is a low standard to meet. The aim is to reserve prosecutions for large-scale dealers and address addiction primarily as a public health emergency. I will say that, though, Portlandia is full of ridiculous fantasy ideas, and and have, they have permitted lawlessness and violence if it comes from the left. Um, the idea of, look, let's make it a public health thing and not a criminal thing and see what happens is not completely insane. They've run the experiment, and here's the uh, result. Measure 110, approved by nearly 60% of Oregon voters in November 2020. The pandemic had already emptied downtown Portland of workers and tourists, but writes the New York Times, its street population was growing, especially after the anti-police protests that had spread around the country that summer. Within months of the measure taking effect in February of 21, open-air drug use long in the shadows burst into full view, with people sitting in circles in parks or leaning against street signs, smoking fentanyl crushed on tinfoil. Since then, Oregon's overdose rates have only grown. Now, tents of unhoused people line many sidewalks in Portland. Months-long waiting lists for treatment continue to lengthen. Some politicians and community groups are calling for Measure 110 to be replaced with tough fentanyl possession laws. Uh, others say, no, give it more time and, and more resources. But then the article goes into the accounts of several people. Here's this uh, woman, Jennifer, works at a coffee shop and wine bar that she operates with her brother. On her walk to work, she sidesteps needles, shattered glass, and human feces. Often, she says, someone has passed out in front of the lobby's door, blocking her entrance. The other day, a man lurched in, lay down on a couch, stripped off his shirt and shoes, and refused to leave. Well, you got to get comfortable. At four in the afternoon, the streets can feel like Dealer Central, she said. At least 20 to 30 people in ski masks, hoodies, and backpacks, usually on bikes and scooters. There's no point calling the cops. Oh, that's right. We were going to bust the dealers, the big-time dealers, but now there's no point calling the cops, and they're everywhere. Despite the street turmoil, she still likes to go for strolls on her breaks. But at 11.30 on a Tuesday morning, I walked to the block between Target and Nordstrom in the middle of everything. Woman's uh, performing a sex act on a man. Nice. She's keenly aware that she's witnessing a confluence of long-standing societal problems, including mental health and housing crises. Quote, but it's so much the drugs, she said. Right. As, as I've said many times. The idea you, that the housing crisis... You know, equals fentanyl addiction. I, I just don't get that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the soft-headed among us and soft-hearted might say, well, it's despair. They're turning to the fentanyl because of despair caused by the housing crisis, uh, crisis, etc. And what I've said many times is if you eliminate the hard drug use, you can get down to who's really just mentally ill. And, and, you know, honestly, a lot of people are now mentally ill because they've ruined their brains with drugs. And who are the folks who can't care for themselves? They, them, we will help. But the problem is you ask anybody who's living on the street, and we have many times, what percentage of the people are on drugs in your camp? 
Well, and then then even when you got through all of those and it's just people who can't afford to live there, then you got to live somewhere cheaper. I've I've never understood this, particularly if you're talking about like Portland and San Francisco or San Diego. These are some of the most expensive cities in the world. Lots of people would like to have lived in Portland before it turned crappy, but you couldn't afford it. So you didn't live there. Right. Including people who make a damn good living. Officer David Bear of the Portland Police Bureau patrols downtown on a mountain bike armed with a gun, a citation pad, and the overdose reversal drug Narcan. He spends his shift arresting street dealers carrying large quantities of blue fentanyl pills, writes $100 citation tickets for people injecting or smoking drugs in public, administering Narcan to those nodding out. He he uh, has to revive an overdose at least once a day. Uh, once a day? You're you're saving someone's life. Wow. Yeah, and and he he talks about some of the DMs on the. They have an Instagram account where they have pictures of all the hell and chaos, and a lot of people say, "Let the addicts die. They shouldn't be Narcaned." He said, "That's tough to read because we interact with these people every day. I've worked on the same person multiple times." And he talks about this guy who used to be a drunk, and he'd encounter him drunk from a night at the bars and get him home. Uh, the other day I was biking. I look over. Why is that guy bleeding? I roll him over. It's the same guy. He's now a fentanyl addict, et cetera. Yeah, I don't know what the sweet spot is on this whole compassion for people who have an addiction problem, disease, whatever you want to call it, on one end, and then on the other end, the super hardcore uh, you know, you made a decision, no compassion. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the sweet spot is in between those two, but I think it's way too close to the first one. Like, it, like I keep hearing, how many times have I heard this about Hunter Biden? Well, he's, you know, he's in the throes of addiction. Okay, fine, whatever. And how far do we go in excusing incredibly, incredibly bad behavior? Well, I know the criminal justice system doesn't excuse you at all. No. Yeah, I just killed him because I was high on meth. Well, enjoy jail. Yeah, that's a very good point. If we've decided that the laws don't give any leeway for that. Oh, I was drunk. Oh, okay. We didn't realize you were drunk when that happened. Since we don't give any leeway, legally speaking, why do we so much culturally? It's a great question. And and let our neighborhoods go to hell. Be ruined. Dangerous. Crime-ridden. So um, this cop says a big part of his job is writing these Measure 110 tickets. He says, it's like, hey, you can't smoke meth or fentanyl on the sidewalk or the playground. And the pushback we get, people can be really aggressive. They think they're in the right because drugs are legal. I say beer is legal, but you can't drink beer in public, which is an idiotic law, by the way. Uh, so we cite them, et cetera, et cetera. That Two is hours so later, hilarious that you could get a, um, <clears throat> oh, what is it called? open in public ticket or whatever yeah, like that. Yeah, There's people over there in whatever. the park doing heroin. <laughs> yeah, fentanyl, meth. So we cite them and give them the drug screening card. Then they'll say they don't want treatment or they'll tell us, okay, I'll call the number. Two hours later, we run into them again and they're smoking or even overdosing. Then you have Noah who says, Portland is a homeless drug addict slice of paradise. He was living with his girlfriend in a bright orange tent on the sidewalk against the fence of a church where they shoot and smoke both fentanyl and meth. Keeping in mind, if you're just tuning in, this is all from the New York Times. It's not the Post. It's not the Washington Times. It's not Armstrong and Getty's far-right fascist newsletter. This is in the New York Times. 
He's, uh, let's see, living in a bright orange tent on the sidewalk against the fence of a church where they shoot and smoke both fentanyl and meth. He ticked off the advantages of Portland. He can do drugs wherever he wants, and the cops no longer harass him. There are more dealers scouting for fresh customers moving to paradise. That means drugs are plentiful and cheap. The downside, living in tents is no paradise, he said, especially when folks in nearby tents high on meth hit him with baseball bats. Then he gets into the eviction notices, etc., etc. Measure 110... Uh, also did not dial back the hatred and derision he gets from homeowners, people with jobs, refrigerators, and paid vacations. He feels those glares keenly, not because, uh, not least because for a time his life resembled theirs. So now <clears throat> he kind of resents the fact that he's a, a, a drug-addicted bum who's terrifying people in their neighborhoods, and they look at him funny. In and out of rehab five or six times in prison. During the years, he was able to claw his way back to sobriety. He worked in construction, made rent, and became a father. I don't know how he get out of this in the cities where it's already happened, and I don't know how he necessarily keep it from happening other places. Well, I would say one of the great laboratories of democracy, Portlandia, conducted an experiment, and it has failed miserably. What do you do with all the people whose brains are permanently ruined from drugs? Wall Street Journal just had a big editorial. It's time to reopen uh, asylums. Asylums. What else are you going to do? What are you going to do with hundreds of thousands of people across the country whose brains will never work right again because of the newest, hardest court drugs? It's either that or let them die painfully on the street alone. While committing crimes that affect you. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And ruin this, the uh, the quality of life of, of the, all the people in the town. Yeah. Hey, folks on the left, what do you say? You watched Portland. You've seen it. Your own flagship publication is calling out the city for being a miserable hellhole of a failed progressive experiment. What now? Your move. Portlandia's crumbling. Has crumbled. We'll spend a second or two taking a look at the life of PWH, who died yesterday at the age of 70. Pee Wee Herman. Uh, among other things that we need to get to this hour, lots of good news, or I don't know much good news, interesting news, stuff you should know on the way. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With his tight gray suit, signature bow tie, and that laugh. <laughs> his famous Pee Wee Herman character becoming a cultural phenomenon. I know you are, but I? I know you, you are, but what am I? But Ruben's career suffering a setback in 1991 when he was arrested for indecent exposure in Florida. A statement on Ruben's Facebook page announcing his death at the age of 70 and revealing Paul bravely and privately fought cancer for years with his trademark tenacity and wit. Did he, did Pee Wee Herman start that act knowing it would appeal to kids or did it just accidentally appeal to kids? Because I remember watching him when he was a stand-up originally and he'd come out, you know, in places where people were doing adult entertainment for adults in a crowd, mm-hmm. you know, having drinks and he'd do his Pee Wee Herman character and it, it, it killed. Did, did he always think it and design it for kids or did he at some point realize that this would work for kids? I'm guessing I, it's a latter, but I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know either. It, that I was aware, certainly, of the, of Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman. Um, but at that point in my life, I just wasn't looking for that sort of entertainment, I guess. I was only dimly aware of it. Like when he made the transition to kids stuff? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm the opposite of an expert on the Pee Wee Herman phenomenon. Oh, I saw both. I don't know how many movies he did, but I, I saw at least two of them in the theater when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, first one, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I think, and all his stand-up stuff, which was really great. It was a very, you know, unique character. And then he had the, you know, the personal stuff that got him so much attention that was uh, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And watching a little uh, adult fair in a theater. Yeah. Unfortunate, but, you know. Man, we won't go down that road. Yeah, I don't want to. My kids, no my, my kids like Pee Wee. We've watched the Pee Wee movies, and they, and they enjoyed it. Holds oh, up. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a, was a brilliant guy. Yes, Michael. 
Believe it or not, he played like drug dealers in regular movies. I've seen him as Paul Rubens. It's just weird to see Pee Wee Herman right. in those type of roles. I saw a couple of clips of that where he tried to kind of go serious actor, and I'm not sure that ever worked for him. Well, the New York Times said, uh, here are his nine greatest roles. I have uh, a good friend of mine does the best Pee Wee Herman impersonation you've ever seen. And uh, he was like famous for it in high school. They would have him like do it at, you know, uh, pep rallies and stuff. I mean, it was just so where was his status vis-a-vis like the best Jacko, the best Michael Jackson impersonator there at school? It was. (laughs) But anyway, I'm thinking now I would meant to text him. Now's your time. Pee Wee's did. You go on some sort of, you know, like a a tribute to Pee Wee. Right. It's got to have a stupid name, a jivey name, though. <laughs> right. I, think I don't be know money enough there. about him to come up with it. So when we come back, we got to hit you with some of the stuff from the whole Devin Archer, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Biden crime family thingy yesterday that happened that got uh, uh, attention more places than it could have, but not as many as I was hoping. Here's CNN's take on Devin Archer's testimony yesterday. That's Hunter Biden's business buddy and best friend really a stunning development apparently business was never discussed jim that is what the reporter said outside the courtroom so that was the big headline business was never discussed nothing to see here that's pretty weak cnn giving the fact that even even the new york times says it's clear now the president lied to us yeah the new york times has said that so if you're unaware of that coverage we'll hit you with that coming up next are you a stupid B, unforgivably biased, or C, both. CNN, those are the only choices. (laughs) Uh, If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Former Hunter Biden business partner Devin Archer told House investigators the president's son put him on the speakerphone 20 times to talk with associates. Republicans believe this is the smoking gun which connects Hunter to his father and an effort to peddle access. So before we get to that and the news coverage of that story from yesterday, whoever texted, I know you're dead, but what am I? That is just inappropriate and uh, you've been insensitive and insensitive and you've been blocked. Yeah. 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 Mark Halpern writes in his newsletter today, check out these game-changing double-take paragraphs. (laughs) The New York Times, the Washington Post, and even the Wall Street Journal, who had been leaving the whole Hunter Biden stuff alone, the three most important newspapers in America, the way they covered the whole Hunter Biden's best friend, business partner, testifying yesterday. This is from the New York Times, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Archer's testimony underscored that Mr. Biden had made false or misleading statements regarding his family members' finances. During the 2020 presidential debate, Mr. Biden claimed that no one in his family had received money from China when, in fact, Hunter Biden and his business associates took in millions from a Chinese firm. In 2019, Mr. Biden also repeatedly said he had never discussed and had never spoken to Hunter Biden about his business dealings. Recently, the White House spokesman, Karine Jean-Pierre, has begun speaking in less declarative terms about that matter, saying that Mr. Biden was never in business with his son. They just called the president a liar. Amusingly enough, I was curious, so I actually counted. That is, the th- Jack began reading the 13th paragraph of the story. More on that a little bit later. I... Uh... But that is rather strong. I still think it is, as Halpern said, game-changing double-take stuff for the New York Mm -hmm. Times to flat-out call the sitting president a liar. About something as important as Biden said that no one in his family had received money from in China when, in fact, Hunter and his business associates took in millions from China. That's that's yeah. a heck of a thing to point out. And then pointing out that they are moving the goalposts, changing the language there in the White House press room. Now this from an uh, opinion piece in the Washington Post, which had been completely ignoring this story. Even if none of the Biden's family business allegations stick, the collapse of Hunter Biden's plea deal in open court punctures the Biden administration's sanctimony about an independent Justice Department. We've said we wanted to restore the independence of the Department of Justice. That is what you're seeing. 
The White House press secretary said in January after classified documents were found on Biden properties. Voters might cynically expect the president's son to get a slap on the wrist, but Garland's Justice Department is asking a lot. It has made its supposed independence from politics at central pitch at the same time, and what may be the most fateful decision of the 2024 presidential campaign, it is prosecuting the Biden administration's leading opponent. That's pretty Mm. tough stuff from the Washington Post. And then um, in the Wall Street Journal... It is pointed out in William McGurn's op-ed, the dominant media now believes for sure that Joe Biden lied knowingly and repeatedly about his connection to Hunter deals, that Hunter's plea deal was as fishy as the contours of the investigation that led up to it, that Hunter's influence peddling involved his father directly, that it would not be surprising if Joe made money off Hunter's deal, and that it would only be a little surprising if Joe did stuff to help Hunter get and keep deals. I don't know what they actually believe in the New York Times newsroom or the Washington Post newsroom, but they're saying things they've never said before. That's so interesting. A, a congressman who was in the hearings has said, hey, that uh, Archer's testimony absolves Biden, proves he was telling the truth. That's an interesting take. I wonder if he's hard of hearing Dan Goldman. Perhaps he needs a hearing aid. Should we hear from him? Sure, why not? Let's do 32. Devin Archer uh, was Hunter Biden's business partner, and what he testified to yesterday uh, completely absolves Joe Biden of any involvement in Hunter Biden's business world. And notwithstanding whatever alleged smoke uh, Chairman Comer says there is, the witness testimony was very clear that Joe Biden was not involved in any of their business dealings. Joe Biden got no benefit. Joe Biden did not change any of his actions for the benefit of his son in any way, shape or form. Well, in front of Devin Archer or as was explicitly explained to Devin Archer, which ain't the way crime families work or influence peddling. Well, that's guy. That guy's got to do that. That's what his job is to spin it the best he can coming out of there but it'll be interesting to see what voters actually think i don't think this goes anywhere impeachment wise or criminal wise will it change any votes in the before times (laughs) whenever you want to cut that off i don't know 2015 or whatever in the before times this would be damaging to a to a president to a sitting president i don't know if it is now because everybody yeah, chooses a side, but uh, God dang it. I mean, how how can you look at this and think, really? So I'm supposed to believe that the president of the United States would jump on the phone or stop by the table at the restaurant dozens of times. His son was living this high-flying lifestyle with all these fancy houses and super cool cars and traveling around and expensive jewelry, all this stuff. Never ask him about it. Never connected the dots. Nothing. All right, whatever. And he's mysteriously very, very rich and has many homes. Joe Biden, uh, completely coincidentally and mysteriously to all of that. Yeah. Okay. Not to mention all the right. fact that Joe Biden said some things that we'd know, as the New York Times pointed out. It's just right. factually not true. Joe Biden saying his family never made money off of China. Yeah. It's just not true. Right making false or misleading statements repeatedly for years. Oh, and this line I heard from Fox and Friends, which I thought was really good. So your defense now is, 
we never sold out the country to bad guys. We just hoodwinked bad guys. We just scammed bad guys. That's all we're guilty mm-hmm. of is scamming bad guys. Uh, because the uh, the actual language from Devin Archer was we, we sold the illusion of influence. Okay, so you were scamming Chinese businessmen and, and, and Ukrainian thugs. Okay, right. so there's something to be proud of. I'd get a food taster. Uh, so the other aspect of this that I find so amusing, and it is remarkable, even in the New York Times 13th paragraph, that they would be that honest. And, I, you know, I credit them for it. <clears throat> so much of this coverage is such a hilarious example of uh, a media bias technique that once you become aware of it, it will it will cause you to chuckle for years to come. And I'll, I'll reveal that after a quick word from our friends at MyPillow.com. MyPillow is celebrating their 20th anniversary. Because of your continued support over these last 20 years, MyPillow has not only been able to launch the original MyPillow, but also the MyPillow mattress topper, my slippers, my pillow bath towels, and so much more. They now have over 200 products to choose from. So now's the time to go to MyPillow.com and check out all they have to offer. For a limited time, MyPillow is offering a free gift valued at $20. No purchase necessary. What? When you head to MyPillow.com, you'll see the offer right on the main page. And while you're there, check out some of the deep discounts they currently have on some of their most loved products. My head was on a MyPillow just last night. To access these discounts, just go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listeners Square and use the promo code Getty. Or you can call 800-666-1205. Yeah, just go to MyPillow.com. Again, look for that Radio Listener Square and remember the code is Getty, G-E-T-T-Y. Remember to check out that free gift, too, valued at $20, no purchase necessary. One more time, go to MyPillow.com and use that promo code Getty. So I can't remember where I heard this revealed uh, a while back, but um, once you learn to recognize it, it's it's so hilariously consistent. And Charles uh, Charles C.W. Cook of the National Review was writing about this the other day, tweeted about it. It was really funny. Uh, by the way, uh, just as an aside, Jack, do you agree with me? Two middle initials is is a flex. <laughs> like Charles C.W. Cook. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. I, uh, I need another middle initial because it sounds often, fancy. It's often Catholics, but he's an atheist, so I doubt that's what it is. It might have been brought up Catholic or uh, like uh, various Hispanic cultures. You got like multiple names. I don't know how they handle that. Anyway, so Charlie Cook, I either go with Charlie or Charles C.W. Cook. Is there a middle ground? Anyway, he tweeted about this USA Today article. Um, that was uh, that was Republicans ready to pounce on Hunter Biden's foibles, and uh, right. he thought it was hilarious. Foibles, doing crooked multi-million-dollar deals with Ukrainian oligarchs and Chinese communists is a foible. A foible is wearing a, a, a turtleneck every day or collecting <laughs> snow globes. Taking millions from oligarchs is not a foible. And how he dresses it up is this story is about the Republicans, which brings me to the great bias thing. And I've talked about this before. If a Republican is caught with a dead body in their trunk, the headline is Republican caught with dead body in trunk. If a Democrat is caught with a dead body in their trunk, the headline is Republicans accuse Democrat of having dead body in the trunk. It's Always about the Republicans. Yeah, Chuck Todd did that on Meet the Press. I noticed that the opening on Sunday. So, yeah, it's always that way. Oh, yeah. The consistency of it, again, is is almost hilarious once you notice it. I don't know if you know who Ron Foynier is. He's a lefty writer. He tweeted this out yesterday. Inconvenient truth. 
to to defeat Trump. This has become a real big topic in the last couple of days as more polls come out showing Trump beating Biden or tied with Biden. To defeat Trump, professional Democrats need to stop wishing the Hunter scandal away and get to the bottom of it, if not get in front of it. I would say, yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, two converging forces have left us in the same place in a weird way. I've been saying Joe Biden isn't going to run because he's old and senile and tired and, and ancient. His poll numbers among Democrats have improved significantly in the last six months to a year. They're still not very good, but they're a lot better than they were. It feels a little bit on the Democrat side of the aisle that Joe Biden has momentum. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, this uh, this Hunter Biden stuff, it looks so bad. And the blown up plea deal makes the Justice Department look crooked. And so in my head, it's left me in the same place that I was. He is probably not running just for different reasons than six months ago. I don't know. I don't know. You if don't any, know. You're being paid to know. I, I want you to know. <laughs> I don't know if anything <laughs> changes anybody's mind in the modern world ever. Yes, it will. It will. And, it, it, and you're, you're neglecting one thing. There are three votes, presuming that the ancient one, the jailbird, and uh, run against each other. Trump's not in jail yet and unlikely to be. But you can vote for Biden. You can vote for Trump. And you cannot vote. Killing enthusiasm in a close election, that can matter a lot. Mm. Uh, true. And if, Demo- true. if Democrats are like, oh, God, Biden, that will hurt turnout. That's true. Turnout is everything. It's yep. like when you, when, you, when you said to an acquaintance who you don't really like that you'd stop by their party. Then it comes to that night. And you're comfortable. You're at home. There's good stuff to stream. You don't go. It's the same way if you right. got a candidate you don't really support. That is an excellent point. You can't you don't have to change votes votes. You just need to keep people from showing up because they're just not enthused. Um what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh god dang it. I had a tease. It flipped out of my head. Slipped out. You know, of my I head. think in 2020 I predicted that people would be so discouraged by the choices that voter turnout would be in the few dozen uh, across the country. I was wrong. <laughs> I was completely wrong and I admit it. I'm starting a GoFundMe for free Cardi B if she ends up getting arrested over throwing a microphone at that person's head. Coronavirus! <laughs> I think she knows her way around the criminal justice system. She'll be fine. Uh, more on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Play point into the box. There came out. Loose ball, and it's wide. That's going to do it. Wow, wow is all we can say. Yeah, wow. The USA women's team, two-time defending World Cup soccer champs, nearly got sent home before the medal round last night. That ball was like an inch from going in right before time expired against Portugal. Portugal. The um, mighty Portuguese. And so now the USA moves on to the next round. But, I mean, they were that close oh, to get because they home. achieved an exciting 0-0 tie. <laughs> I'm convinced that a lot of the leaders of that team are, are, are neo-Marxist America haters. They're, they're woke numbskulls. I can't root for them. 
Uh, yeah, I I understand. Of course, that they're completely. young women. You got to forgive a lot, I suppose. Young men and women. It makes it harder, though. It makes it a lot harder. I mean, well, I, I can't get there, like I said, and I'm not saying anybody else should not root for him. You do what you want to do. I can't get there emotionally. That's a tough topic because all my musicians, actors, athletes, if I spent time with them talking about the news of the day, I would hate 99% of them. Mm. So what am I going to do? Watch Chuck Norris movies and listen to Ted Nugent? Exactly. And only watch NASCAR. <laughs> watch watch Vince Vaughn movies and NASCAR. <laughs> so I don't know what you do with that. Okay, here's something. Uh, this is from our executive producer, Hanson. He, uh, he, he comes out into the hallway out of his little cave, ranting and raving about this. I oh, agree boy. with him, so I thought we should get this on the air and maybe we can contribute to the end of a phenomenon. This is some witless banter of cable news hosts before hmm. break or something like that. Here we go. Wait, no medical exam and all online? I know, right? Oh, a fake commercial sort of thing. I know right with that up talking needs to be retired. Oh. It was it was perfectly clever when it first when it first hit. And perfectly fine, and everything like that. And I, I was as amused as anyone else. I, I know, right? But I that, know, right? That <laughs> that that needs to be that needs to be mm. put into a pit, covered in dirt, set on fire, rocks mm. on top of it, maybe cement, stake through its heart, stake probably. through its heart, garlic, yes. whatever it takes to kill oh. that off. As a clever saying, I know, right? I have at least one person in my life who I'm very fond of who leans on it. I feel like one of the keys to life to avoid debeery, douchebaggery, oh is, is to know when sayings or phrases or trends are over. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> that trend is so over, right? Yeah. I mean, just, it's just, I don't know. I know. I'd say, yeah. I wouldn't like. Uh, I I have friends who say it too. It's just I just I'm just telling you it's it's played. I know, right? Once, mm. once it makes it into infomercials used like that, that's when you know it's no longer cutting edge uh, coolness. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we've uh, pushed it toward the the graveyard of, of worn out expression. It's funny. I actually saw a um, uh, David Letterman was on somebody's podcast on YouTube video cast the other day, and he was angry. He was angry, Dave, like the old days, like the early 80s. But he said, people who say, do you see what I did there? Do you think that's clever at this point? I mean, what is wrong with you? Do you see what I did there? I want to kill those people. I know, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, what what if you're using it? Because I used it not long ago uh, in the studio. What if you're using it like double ironic? Well, exactly, exactly, and that's that's a pro move is that okay? right there. That is okay. a pro move, and you got to be in the right crowd for them. Do to not know. attempt this at home, right? right. You got to be in the right <laughs> crowd for them to know that you're no, you're doing it knowing it's dead, but right. doing it anyway. <laughs> right. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> Oh, now that, see, this is like, oh, this is terrible. Now you've alerted us to it, and now it's going to drive us all crazy throughout the the rest of the week. Yeah, that's a tough one. I I know, right? I like to use phrases that my kids uh, have used in the past or whatever, and it really horrifies them. 
Like if I say something is sus or sketch or something, and oh, use their their makes terms. your skin crawl. Yeah, oh, they, just, they, they really hate it when I ever do that. Dad, don't ever say that. Don't ever say it around my friends. Can I stand briefly in defense of? Oh my God, I can't believe it's August already, which is a great newscaster cliche. I think everybody says that in their real life. Certainly, past a certain age, you do. When yeah. the months start to go by like weeks, if you miss an hour of this show, we do four hour day. Get the podcast armstrong and getty on demand armstrong and getty imagine you ask two people the same seven questions i'm mini driver and this was the idea i set out to explore in my podcast mini questions this year we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions including courtney cox rob delaney liz fair and many many more join me on season three of mini questions on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.